Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. I want to say before we get started here, um, uh, don't take lightly like the word that Mike brought about, I hear the abundance of rain. I know that we've heard that before at times, but don't, you, you must not allow things like that to be insignificant because you may have heard that statement before, because it is true. Mike did hear from God with that this morning, because again, that is exactly what the earth and the prophets of God around the earth are seeing and saying right now. I mean, it really is true. We've entered over, we've crossed some horizon, we've crossed some threshold. And we are at a place by the mercy of God and by the grace of God, not by any works of any of us, that's for sure. But there is an abundance right in front of us that's beyond the comprehension of God's people. It's a season that we're entering into where God's word is going to come to pass where he said, had I told you what I was going to do, you would not have believed it. It's so big. It's so huge. It's so beyond your natural brain's ability to see it. Everything to the world looks impossible. And if I was to tell you, he said, what I'm about to do, you would say, no way. But do not find yourself in the chair of doubt right now. I said, do not allow yourself to be seated in the chair of doubt or unbelief. Our God is still God. No matter how many people have tried to diminish his authority, diminish his reality, no matter how many liberal people and how many humanists are trying to say there is no God, they're going to be incredibly surprised. They're going to be uh, overwhelmingly blown away surprised because our God is going to do what he said he would do. He abides faithful. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Remember, as some people count slackness. But it says he's long-suffering. So you have to always remember, he is long-suffering. He wants as many people in the kingdom as is possible. That's why, again, it is incumbent upon us as his children. He wants the greatest boldness to be upon us now that we have ever experienced. He wants us to be so unashamed of this gospel, so fearless before the world and the people and the attitude of the world. That's why, like Paul says over and over in the pastoral epistles, do not allow yourself to get caught up in genealogies and mindless philosophies and people who are talking about this and speculations about that. Don't get caught up in that. And don't be trapped in what looks like Christianity but is religion about people trying to, you know, like he said, honor one day over another or one food over another. He said all of those just pass away and all they do is indulge the flesh. They have nothing to do with following Christ nothing. We are of God. If you're born again, if you've actually accepted Jesus Christ, see, don't let this just be some statement. This is, I'm starting something fresh this morning as far as it's like a series. I'm going, I want to go right back to some of the basics as far as belief 
and some faith a little bit, but I'm going to approach some things quite differently than what you might think if you hear somebody say they're going to teach on faith. But I just want you to catch this, that, you know, I, all I can do is speak it, but your ears have to make the decision and your heart has to make the decision whether or not you believe it. But again, the fact is that our God lives. Now, Jesus did say right from the beginning, we're going to start at point one about Jesus. First of all, in John six twenty nine, Jesus said this, this is the work that I want you to do that you would believe on me. That is the beginning. Are you here? That's the beginning. Though it sounds so simple, that's something you have to grasp right from the beginning. He said, the only work I'm interested in is your belief. Will you believe? Will you Believe, because the truth is, when you truly believe, everything, everything changes. When belief happens, you know, like in the train, when I used to ride the trains here, you know, sometimes you'd get to a station and they'd say, all out, all change, all change, all change. When you'd actually, if you have actually believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you arrived at a whole other station and that was what was screened from heaven, all change, all change, all change. Everything has changed. This is the work that you believe on him, that you believe on me, Jesus said, that you believe. That's the only thing he's ever asked of us. Works don't get us to heaven. We know that. Jesus also still said in John 10, 10, verses that you know, but see, I just, the Lord kept telling me, I'd go right back to, anyhow, I'm just going to, Jesus, the word of God says that Jesus came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. Is that correct? We know that the Amplified says to the full till it overflows. I had to work so long to get past being able to quote that and how easily it is to say I know that verse before I knew that verse. Remember, it's with the heart that belief happens. Belief does not happen, does not transpire in the mind of man. Belief that God is looking for is something that happens in the human spirit. You don't understand God. In reality, none of us will ever fully understand God but he does allow us to learn his attributes and we begin to see his character and we begin to follow after him because we find ourselves being molded into his image as we believe. But belief starts with the heart. 
please don't forget that. It is a, it's one of the, again, the guiding, the signpost, the guidepost, whatever you want to call it, for the rest of your Christian experience. Your belief is located in your heart, and of course, the rest of it is in your mouth, right? But you believe with the heart. He's never asked you to try to figure it out with your mind. In fact, he has said just the opposite. He said, lean not to your own understanding, but acknowledge me. See, believe in me. Acknowledge me in all your ways. And he said, I'll do something then. I'll begin to direct your paths. It is one of possibly the most frustrating things on earth in ministry once you, if you've walked with God for many years to know that you cannot make anyone believe. You can't force anybody to, quote-unquote, see. But this book is from heaven. These words are God-breathed. It is the breath of God, the very life of God that came from him. In his miracle way, he allowed holy men of God to put it down in paper, pen, ink, parchment, so that we who read it might run with it, might actually believe it, take it into our hearts, allow it to begin to influence everything that we do. But two or three days ago in my morning, in my morning time, again reading them, I just felt the Lord say, do you know you're saved? And I'm real funny, and I said, yeah, I know I'm saved. And I just, for a moment, I just find my, I found myself in this little kind of a panoramic picture where he was showing me his grace on my life and how it's grown. And he was showing me how, thank God, I'm now so, I, I, I know I'm saved because I am 24-7 aware of him. He's like in every, he's behind everything that I do now. What I mean is I'm aware of him in every decision I make now. Now, I hope, you know, this isn't boasting. I'm just saying I'm aware of his presence. I'm aware that he's with me because he said, I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you until the ends of the earth. He's actually with me. And that sounds so simple, but I cannot tell you how thrilled that makes me. I know I'm saved. I actually know I have eternal life. And knowing that really does produce what it was intended to produce. It just destroys fear. It destroys worry. You realize there's nothing to fear but fear itself. And you really begin to understand that that is simply that great, great tool of the devil. He must get you into confusion. He wants to intimidate you with lies. But it's knowing the truth that causes recognition of what is a lie, isn't it? But all he's ever asked of us is to believe. To believe. Now, I want to just go through some basic scripture, actually from the King James. I'm going to do something different. I want us to go to Ephesians 1. And all I want to do is read some, all of this is familiar. I just want to read a few verses from Ephesians 1 or Ephesians 2. And what I'm simply endeavoring to do this morning as I start something out is I, I, I just chose this portion. There's a ton of other. We could have turned to many other passages. But I'm just going to ask you to believe 
I'll put it this way. I want you to believe what God says here. Okay? That's all. In Ephesians 1, he said in verse 3, Paul is speaking, Blessed, this is not King James, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. In the Greek, it says in heavenly things. He hath blessed us. And I want you to notice as we read here how often the word hath is in here because it speaks of past tense. Now, again, this is not a light thing either. You really have to understand Paul, who's been taught by direct revelation, is telling you of what God has already done. I don't want you to look at what he may do or will do. I want you to see what the Bible says. You have to see real faith, real faith, faith that becomes dynamic is simply when you choose to believe what God has already done. That's where you begin in this thing called faith. Now, years ago when I teach this in the Bible school, and I still use it, and I'll use it here too, the way the Lord, one of the ways the Lord had me communicate faith is he said, I, my people need to know there's a difference between faith as a source and faith as a force. First and foremost, you have to recognize that faith has a source. Now we know Romans 12, 3 says, God hath dealt, hath, past tense, to every man the measure of faith. Now, do you believe that? See, you have to be careful before you shake your head because if you believe that, the moment you believe something, you're responsible for the truth that's within that something. And it says he's dealt to every man the measure. It didn't say a measure. That would have mean like I got one measure of faith, Emmanuel got a bigger one, Julie got an even bigger one than that. No, every single one of us, God as a grace gift, gave each of us the measure. In other words, we all get to start on an equal platform. Amen. I want you to believe that. Faith is like a muscle. You have to exercise it for it to be able to handle more of what happens. But again, see, that's our responsibility. And yes, we're going to go through some of the basic scriptures that, again, you cannot get away from. It is true. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. The Bible, God's word says, the Holy Spirit wrote that faith comes by hearing. Jesus was trying to communicate so clearly about this thing when he said, have the God kind of faith, have the faith of God. He knew that your ears are a spiritual gateway. He knew that ears, hearing is, a, is an incredible spiritual force. And he knew that we can choose what we listen to more than other things. That it is our choice because it is a spiritual law. It's not a suggestion. It's not even something that's a happenstance. Faith does come from what you keep hearing. That is something you just need to accept as true. Faith grows. Faith gets bigger. Faith comes by what you hear over and over again. That's why you must guard 
you're hearing. That's why Jesus said in Mark 4, 24, Mark 4, 23 and 24, is when he said to really take heed what you hear. And then he said the measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear determines the measure of virtue and strength or power that comes back to you. He said, it's your decision. What measure, what measure will you listen with? A tablespoon? Shovel? Truck? You, we determine the measure that we listen with. Right now, in this meeting, right here, according to Jesus, the Word of God, the four types of soil in Mark 4, Though God's word is coming out, some of it is falling on the wayside because people aren't, as it were, tuned in. They're not bad people. Nobody's saying that there's bad people, but they're just not that interested. And so the word of God that is able to save your soul, the engrafted word of God that has been released from heaven to change your life utterly for the good doesn't even affect them. Because where their heart's at is on the wayside. They're just hanging around. They're on the peripheral of everything that is Christ and everything that is really what God's church is meant to be. And you know the next one, it says, other ones are people on stony ground. But when they just start to hear, see, people are every, you know, these people are in this room right now. And it's just the way some of us are. But my point is, see, some of us are on stony ground. Some of us, the cares and the distractions of this world, the word is sown and persecution does arise for the word's sake, but the thorns, the cares of this world, the distractions of the age, it says they begin to choke and suffocate the word and they bear no fruit. And then, of course, there's the people on good ground who receive the word and bring forth fruits on 30, 1600 fold. But the point is, it's the measure of listening. It's the measure of how you hear. With, what, with the measure that you hear, it will be measured back unto you. So I learned years ago to make the choice to listen, to make the choice to not be distracted. When I'm listening to ministry stuff, when I'm watching something, watching one of the ministry teachings or something that I, I, Julie and I have been watching, I've trained myself. It's very, I've, I've tried to make it to the point that I just don't, I, I don't, I'm tuned out. Maybe I should say, I tune out of everything but this man. I tune out from anything and everything that isn't what the message is. Because I know, as I've said here before, it only takes one word from heaven to change your entire destiny. And I don't want to miss that one word. That's why I've had to learn. I learned from Julie something a long time ago. She was... You know, kind of, I didn't realize, you know, what, we were just sitting in a meeting, and uh, it was real simple, but she was worshiping the Lord, had her eyes shut, and she was very intent, and I'm just, I didn't even think, and it wasn't that I sinned, it wasn't a great sin, but I, you know, I, how you do husband or wife, was honey, honey, I said, check this out, or is this something like that about, I saw somebody come in, and I wanted her to know somebody came in, and uh, she just kind of stopped, and she looked at me, and she said, honey, she, something to the effect of, you know, don't, Please don't break in my worship. Please, and then basically, in other words, I took her from the moment she was enjoying with the Lord. Uh, again, it's not that I meant to do that. I'm just saying, so we don't want to walk on eggs, but I'm saying 
If you want to receive from heaven, at some point you make the decision to listen. I'm going to hear if no one else in this house does. But I made that decision because I discovered that God's word is God's word and not the word of a man. I made that decision as well. It was a choice. It was a decision. This is God's word. And you see, over the years that I've been involved in it, do you know how much, you know, there's no way I can tell you what I've experienced in my 34, 35 years now of Christian experience as far as how God has proven to me that he's real. The change, again, you're the only one that knows how much change has occurred since you gave yourself to Christ. Maybe little, maybe big, whatever. But the fact of the matter is, she don't allow the devil to lie to you. When you keep setting yourself under God's word, you are being changed. This is spirit. God's word is spirit. It's not understanding. It's not intellect. God's word begins to strike your spirit. God's word changes you from the inside out. You hear me? This is why you don't faint in your mind. That's what the Bible says. You faint here when you try to figure things out. You don't worry about that. I don't worry about when I don't immediately, quote, unquote, understand fully something. I just keep pressing in because that's what happened to me all those years ago. I want us to get to the place where we really say, I, I believe. And, I, and at first, it's like a choice. Again, I choose to believe because I believe. I, I want you to believe this is the word of God. Like Peter said about Paul's writing, he said, these are not cleverly devised stories. He said, these are things that we witnessed, we saw. We're testifying of things that we saw and we heard. We were there. But God's watched over this word for some three and 4,000 years now. It's still the same. The word hasn't changed. And lives, countries, nations have been changed. Anywhere and everywhere, people have actually made this decision to say, I actually believe this is God's word. How much more would he change us as an individual if he'll change an entire tribe, an entire nation with truth? See, God's truth, God's word is truth. Truth is anointed. And you see, too many of us have believed in things that aren't truth. Well, if it's not truth, it's not anointed. In other words, there's no power there. There's no power there to redeem. Hallelujah. So in Ephesians, I just want to read some of these things. He hath, past tense, already blessed me. And see, this is like what I do when I read in the morning. Abby, I mentioned this to Abby and some others when we were in prayer this morning. She said, why don't you just share that more? But what I do in the morning or my four or five hours in the morning, every morning, I just simply, I, I just, I don't know, I love the word. But I read it and when I see something, I just stop. And I slowly speak that out loud to myself. I pray it. So like verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed me. And Father, according to this, you've already blessed me with all. It says all. I've looked it up in a lexicon. I've discovered that all means all. That you've blessed me with all spiritual blessings and heavenly things in Christ. Now, do I understand all that yet? No, but I don't have to understand truth to confess truth when I know it's truth. See, the belief comes with the heart 
but the manifestation comes with the mouth. So I begin to speak this stuff over myself. And it says in verse 4, according as he hath chosen us. Well, I just say as he hath chosen me. God, and see, this is what I want you to do. I want you to believe this already. This isn't going to come to pass. This has already come to pass. He has chosen me. Well, that's good right there. I just stopped. God chose me. Hallelujah. I'm blessed. God chose me before the foundation of the world that I should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now, again, you look that up. It'll say it more in the Amplified, but it says I'm holy now. He chose me to be holy. He said, you, I'm choosing you. You're now holy because you believe in me. Hallelujah. And it says in verse 5, he's predestinated, predestinated me unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. What that simply speaks to is people have a lot of problem in religious circles years ago, and they still do about predestination, what predestination means. But all, I don't know how you can misunderstand it. It's very clear in Ephesians. He uses this twice here in this chapter. Predestination is simply God's prearranged plan that would happen in Christ. In other words, I... This is part of my plan. This is what I chose to happen with my son's coming and his death and resurrection. And he said, in other words, the moment I was saved, this was his plan that I would become a child of God. And see, I am a child of God today. And if you're born from above, you're a child of God right now. I see you can say that so easily, but my God, you, begin, you have to begin to think of what that actually means. And it says, according to the good pleasure of his will. And I love it. And in other translations, it says, God did this because he could and he wanted to. Boom. <laughs> You're blessed. Verse 6, he said, he did this to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made me to be accepted in the beloved. In other words, he did this to bring praise and glory to his plan of grace. In other words, so his grace would be recognized. I'm a child of God by the grace of God. And he did this so that other people, because other people watch you, don't they? And other people begin to see the change in you, and that's what brings praise and glory to God. Wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. He hath, past tense, already made me. I'm accepted. See, I no longer have any fear of retribution or punishment. Now, next week, I'm going to talk something about judgment, but I'm going to talk, look at something different. You've heard me read many times that those who are in Christ no longer, we will not come unto judgment, right? We're justified by this faith. But I do want you to understand that we are going to have a judgment day still. And I'm going to talk about next week what's going to happen on the judgment day because we are going to be judged. But there's two judgments. One of them we'll never have to deal with, but one of them we're going to have to deal with. But anyhow, that's more next week. But it says that I've already been made accepted in the beloved. Verse 7, he said, and, and he's sharing, he said, I've been made accepted in the beloved, in whom Rod has his redemption. See, I, I have redemption, but it's because of his blood. And, of course, immediately that should open up this picture to you where you see this panoramic, beautiful view, horrible view, but beautiful view of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, going to the cross, going to Calvary, crucified for me. Crucified for me. 
in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And all of this is because it's according to the riches of his grace. And then it goes on to say, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that, verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Verse 11, here's another verse I'm asking you to believe because it's true already. In whom you and I have already obtained an inheritance. Because we're in Christ, we've already been predestinated according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his own will. In other words, all of this has happened because this was his will. I said this was his will. You and I have obtained an inheritance. It's an, inter- it's an eternal inheritance. Now again, see, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because right now, God's people are so worldly aware, so aware of the world. We're nowhere near as aware of heaven as we should be. And I understand that. And again, this isn't slapping somebody on the hand because of it, but it's just that we've, this is the puzzle, see, this is the journey, this is the situation. We must have our minds renewed now to the word of God. We must not conform to the world's standards. But that's all we've ever known is the world's standards. And so we've been living like the world and according to the world's standards because that's the only standard we ever knew. That was the only standard we were ever introduced to. And so it's become a habit. That's the way we've learned and that's the way we've lived. But as scripture says, those ways lead unto death. So God makes a way for us by sending his own son and sending his will through prophets of old, through prophets that are here. And he said, now be renewed, be transformed, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is the good, the acceptable, and perfect will of God. So present your bodies as a living sacrifice unto God. It's just your reasonable service to do so. But again, that's our choice. See, everything that God has done, it's our choice to believe. If something uh, that God has promised, and this may sound strong, but if something that God has promised is not working in your life, you haven't believed yet. Not really. You're trying. And this is where I want to talk about the difference between soulish faith when we, in the next few weeks, between soulish faith and faith that's of the spirit. In fact, let me, let me just read something because my time, I'm going to quit here pretty soon, believe it or not. I'm going to start changing my, my time of speaking. No, I'm, I've made a decision. I'm going to speak a whole lot shorter. I know we joke about it so much, but that's it. I'm going to have to just stop myself and come back. But listen to this, soulish faith with the spirit faith, faith towards God. Faith, first of all, in Hebrews 6, it says that, you know, the base, some of the basic foundation stones of our faith is, number one, repentance from dead works. But then number two was faith toward God. And all those years ago, he's taught me, he said, faith has a direction first. Faith isn't towards something first and foremost. It's a source. Faith is toward God. But very easily, like in the faith message, we began to have faith towards a scripture. Don't mishear me now. Faith towards a formula. Faith towards a mechanism, not faith towards him. 
This is not a faith. This is not the faith that we're looking for is not faith in yourself or faith in the principle of believing or faith in projecting a positive mental image of something. It's faith in God. The quote-unquote power of the positive that comes from the soul realm ever so slowly begins to cultivate an image that you can do all things. All things are possible with you. You begin to develop a confidence in the principle of believing instead of in God himself. You, quote, begin to believe it so hard that you feel you can get what you want when you want it because you simply believe it. We're not talking about concentrating on something so hard and so long that it comes into existence. That teaching promotes that you can just believe God to do anything that you want him to do and everything that you can believe is going to happen. No. First, faith must be understood to be a source Our faith first is towards someone, not something. Our faith has a direction locked into someone, not locked into a principle of the positive or the power of believing. Faith is something that's born out of the spirit of man that reaches out to God. Our faith is in a person, not in a doctrine or a thing. It's not visualizing something into existence. However, when you begin to see God, see, but here's the thing. Soul, remember, it's only the word of God that can discern the difference between soul and spirit. They're so close. Because faith does mean you begin to see what's invisible. But it's because you're seeing what's invisible, not because you're just trying to be so positive that I can make anything happen. All I have to do is concentrate hard enough. No, no, no. Because real faith only comes when you have a rhema. No rhema, no word from God, no faith. So see, it's not what Rod speaks. You have to hear what God says to you. Now God, of course, can speak to you through people. But this is why, again, there is nothing richer that you possess than this book that you have access to 24-7. There is nothing richer. You and I have all been given the measure of faith. Every single one of us get to start at the same place. Every single one of us here, I'm assuming, have a Bible. And as you begin, first and foremost, like I said, give yourself to the New Testament You put your soul and your heart and your body into this. He is faithful to do what he's always said he would do. What we are believing is that God will do what he said he will do. And we believe that he has done what he says he's done already. Not that we'll just get whatever we want whenever we want to. I'm not trying to get God to do something for me through my faith. I'm believing what God has already done. That's what Roman 10 said. And again, we're going to go over it. As I said, I'm just trying to lay a foundation. I put this illustration down from years ago. I remember when people would come up, parents, husband or wife rather, that wanted a baby. 
And they'd say, well, I'm believing God. I'm believing God. We're believing God. We're going to have a little boy. And I'd say, do you have a word for God on that? No, I'm just believing God. See, listen, have you ever even thought about the terminology, I'm believing God? Listen, if you're still believing, you've never believed. You've not believed. You're trying to believe. You're believing. I'm in the process. That's where we all come to. But staying in the word is when you get to the place now where you say, I'm no longer believing. I believe. I believe. But watch. See, that's the power of the mental realm, the power of the positive. I'm just believing God. She was operating in the power of the positive concept called belief. Now, is that really faith towards God or is that faith in believing? You don't have faith as a force if you don't have a word from God. Faith comes, I've just said this, but faith comes when God speaks to you, not Rod. You believe you're healed because God says you're healed. You believe you're saved because God says you're saved. How do you know you're saved? Well, I'm just believing I'm saved. I put down, you better not, you need to know that you're saved. You better not just be in the process of believing. So back to Ephesians. So he said, in whom, verse 11, we have obtained an inheritance. So we've already got this. And verse 13, he says, in whom, in other words, if you're in Christ, if you're born again, if you're in here, if you're in Christ, I just want, this is true. This has happened. This is already the case. In him, see, I've also trusted. After that, I heard the word of truth. This is what I want you. I hope that you trust when you hear the word. I said, you need to trust when you hear the word of God, that it is the word of God. God's not a liar. Why would you want to go against the God of all creation? In whom I've trusted after that I heard the word of God, after I heard the gospel, the good news. See, this is the good news of my salvation. And this is what's written. Boy, when you search this out, in whom also, after you believed, after Emmanuel believed, after Kenny believed, after Deepo believed, he sealed, he took the seal, he took this seal that says mine. That's what it actually says, mine. God has a seal that says mine. When you believe on him, he seals you, pap, with the Holy Spirit. He so absolutely declares and decrees that you're now his son and daughter that he allows, he puts, he imbibes, he fills you with his spirit. Hallelujah. And it's a seal. And in the spirit realm, in the spirit realm, Everywhere you go, every spirit in heaven, every spirit of the earth, and every spirit under the earth sees that seal that says, mine, signed God, mine. This one's mine, and no one will ever take what's mine out of my hands, ever, 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 ever. Amen? And that's where we're going to stop this morning. 
are going to go, like I said, more and more in the next few weeks. Hallelujah. But I want us to really catch this. We're called believers. Belief is a choice. You hear the word of truth and you trust in it. Amen? We hear the word of truth. I'm asking you, please trust in him. Don't trust in me. Trust in his word. Get into this word. Trust what it says. You're God's inheritance. You've already made it. If you've confessed Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life, you've been sealed. God has stamped you with this seal that says, you're mine. And all of earth and heaven and any other realm that ever exists now sees I'm God's. And that becomes one of the greatest declarations of protection and proof and power in your own life when you believe it because you start walking around with a bit of an attitude. You kind of push back your chair and you go, you know what? I belong to God. What do you think about that? I'm God's. You're God's. Let's give you some praise. Amen. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 